Leland for writing that song, especially for Rise and Stein. Um, <laughs> isn't, isn't that isn't that the lyric? Just for you. Isn't that the isn't that what they're singing there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah. Some some say it sounds like Rise and Shine, but <laughs> it's Rise and Stein. It's Rise and Stein. <laughs> Rise and shine. <laughs> okay, it was ju- it was just me. I thought it was funnier than that. Uh, good morning. It's Rise and Shine. Nope. Nope. I've got my funny meter over here. <laughs> just the truth and nothing but the truth. There you go. Ray Haynes is in here at Victory 91.5, teaching on Pentecost. And this particular hour has hopefully been very eye-opening as we've unpacked the, what the voice of God sounds like. And now, check this out. So, you know, uh, this would be a lot easier if we were in Israel, obviously, because you could uh, see it with your eyes, which sometimes really helps. But if you have it on a tour and they ever took you to what they said is the upper room, uh, this is where some confusion starts. Uh, although, if you've been to Israel, and you can also go to the museum where they have outside, they have this kind of this model of the city of Jerusalem, the old city, and where everything was. So if you've been there, if you've seen that, get that in your mind, too. So don't just get that little room that they talk about as the upper room. So in Acts chapter 1, they've gathered in an upper room in Acts one thirteen. So they describe it as a place they're staying where the small group of leaders and disciples meet to make decisions. So uh, that's a room. All right. But this room from Acts 1 is not where they're described as gathering in Acts chapter 2. So the word house that gets translated in, in English in Acts 1 is O-I-K-I-A, okay, which means a house or a home. It's a place, Oika. a dwelling. Oika. Yeah. O- o- oikos, building. Yeah. Yogurt. Or yogurt, yogurt. either one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They gathered in a, in, a, in a pool of yogurt. And <laughs> so this O-I-K-I-A, a house, a dwelling place, that's where they're sitting. So when they're doing these little things, they're there. The word in in Acts 2 is O-I-K-O-N from oikos, mm-hmm. <laughs> ironically, which is predominantly used to mean the sanctuary or house of God. We would call it the temple area. Mm. So when they're getting this baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not in the upper room where they gathered. They're actually down in the temple area. Mm-hmm. Or it's, uh, specifically, it's the temple courtyard is often called the oikon. So there were four, four courtyards in the temple area. One is for priests, one is for Israelites, one is for women, and another for Gentiles. So there's more than enough for hundreds to gather and everyone to react to what happens. In fact, you could put thousands of people, thousands upon thousands of people in that area. So when the day of Pentecost arrives, as it had for centuries, since that first Pentecost we talked about at Mount Sinai, when Moses received the Ten Commandments. So these men are sitting together somewhere in the courtyard of the Israelites, the Jews, when this awesome whirring roar like the rushing violent wind of a tornado blast sweeps into the Temple Mount, right into the Temple Courtyard of the Israelites, which is filled to capacity with men there for the Temple service for Pentecost. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit in voice and fire falls on one particular group of men over here, probably sitting off to themselves to avoid uh, persecution from the others on the Temple Mount. 
And the verse says this, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house, in this case courtyard, where they were sitting. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of shifting difference there that, you know, sometimes we want God to do things to us privately when in fact <laughs> it happens out here because he's doing a bigger thing. Now, that's one little slight confusion uh, dealing with the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The other is if you, um, just because it's such an unusual thing, a lot of times in, in the same way as your salvation, you assume that that's going to fix you and you're not going to sin anymore. You're not going to struggle anymore. This boom, you're super Christian now. Not so much, really. Uh, there is this reality from all, all the way back to that first Pentecost is Moses later comes down and has the law written on these tablets of stone. So long after you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, so long after salvation, long after baptism in the Holy Spirit, either one, you can fall away deep into sin, but still have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with it. And so occasionally you'll see these people who are, I don't even know a word to describe them, but it's not good. But um, the same reason that God chose to engrave his commandments on tablets of stone, he, you know, he writes it on our hearts. Mm -hmm. And there's two different kinds of letters. Letters which are written and letters which are engraved. Mm. The difference is that written letters ultimately separate from what they're written on. They're not one with the paper of the parchment, right? right. So it can fade. It can You can not read it. Letters are ink. They adhere to the paper. Then they're one. When letters are engraved, the letters themselves are from the same medium as that on which they're written. The letters are not something external. They emanate from the stone itself. So the difference here is Jeremiah chapter 31. I'll put my law within them, write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So when God does a work in us, it's literally transformative. Mm. In other words, where there was stone before, there's now writing, right? <clears throat> he becomes a part of us, and you can misuse any gift. You can use them in immaturity. You can use them in sin. You can submit them to the devil. You can walk away from your relationship with Jesus into disobedience from your sonship. You can throw away your relationship now and for eternity. Romans 8 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make a different kind of Christian. He fills you with his presence empowers you with his presence, equips you with his presence, comforts you with his presence. You can just keep that going on and on and on. In Acts 2, we read about the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost. By chapter 4, these same people are seeking to be refilled again. Why is that? On the release, this is the verse, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So it's not a one-time experience, but rather a constant refilling of the Spirit, which they needed to change their world. Mm. So they continually sought to be empowered to accomplish whatever task God assigned to them. So they kept getting filled and refilled and refilled. So coming up next, we'll uh, step right into the okay. verses that deal with tongues. All right. This is, a, like I said, a powerful hour and, and hopefully a very explanatory hour. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Explanatory. Yes. Tower Auto Repair in Dawsonville.